Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie so uh, my name is alvaro rodriguez i'm the screenwriter for the last rampage as a writer to me i'm less interested in genre and more interested in character and, you know, I've written in a lot of different genres, you know, um, kind of horror genre, thriller or action movie or kids movie or, you know, different kinds of things. And it was always more, I was always more interested in character and hadn't really quite done something like this before, but was just uh, really drawn to this idea of, um, of a guy like Gary Tyson who, you know, had been in and out of institutions from the time he was, you know, a kid um, and uh, and having sort of raised three sons from behind bars uh, and how these three sons kind of grew up in the church of Gary and thinking that their father had been, you know, unjustly accused and unjustly convicted and all of this stuff that they were getting fed um, from their mom, Dorothy, who's played in the film by Heather Graham. So to me, it was just, I was interested in telling that kind of a story, telling a family story. You know, to me, the most interesting stories are family-centered in, in some way. You know, they're elemental stories. They're stories that um, go back to, you know, to the most intimate and elemental parts of ourselves. So the idea of fathers and sons, you know, there's a line in the script about, in the movie about that, um, you know, where Gary tells his oldest son, you know, Donnie, there's only one law you got to worry about, you know, and that's a law of fathers over sons. And the only way you're going to, you know, get past that is, you know, by this, you know, by dying, basically. But kind of threatens him a little bit. But um, so that was really you know, the touchstone for me, uh, trying to figure out how to tell that story. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files guest today, Devin Faraci. Hello. Welcome. You're sort of the go-to for the mythology episodes. Yeah, I love it. Uh, uh, thank you for having me back, and thank you ha for having me for these episodes. These are great. This is Tempest Fugit, I think you said? Tempest Fugit, yeah. And Max. And Max. Um, and these are two... This is the mythology episode where Max Fennec comes back. It's all about trying to figure out what happens on this flight. 
Uh, these are very different mythology episodes because uh, the scope is pretty small for a mythology episode. Usually these mythology episodes are about, you know, you get the syndicate coming in and all, you see the machinations. This is really about how it affects the lives of a very specific number of small people. Which is funny because these are these felt like really big episodes in that when the plane crash scene... It's huge. There's this huge debris field and these big crane shots. You feel like the scope of it. But yeah, at the same time, <laughs> the characters that are involved in the, the stakes that are involved are much smaller than usual. Yeah, I mean, you see the, 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 the budget of this show now. I mean, that's one of the best TV plane crashes I've seen yeah. other than Lost. Yeah. That was a really great plane crash. And um, that that field where you see all the debris and they line up all the bodies. Do do they really do that? They just have those bodies laying there for a while, trying yeah. to figure out what happened. Yeah, because they're like they're dead anyway. They got nowhere to go. Yeah, well, you, you you can't take them away from the. Uh, uh, so they're all cataloged and tagged, and then the proper people have to come and show up and take them. Yeah, uh, yeah. It can be grisly out there for a long time. I watched these episodes uh, <laughs> while I was out of town. Uh, getting ready for a plane ride uh, in a, the smallest plane I've ever been in. I went to Telluride, and oh. so I was in a little propeller plane. Yeah, watching these two hours of plane crashes. Yeah, thank you very much. Over and over, but you didn't have like an <laughs> alien artifact with three interlocking pieces, did you? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal that on the show. I'll <laughs> yeah. tell you that much. Uh, so, what did you think of these episodes? I loved them. I loved these episodes. Yeah. These are. These were perfect mythology episodes for me, and they're also perfect Mulder and Scully episodes. Um, I loved both Mulder. And, sometimes you can get like irritated with Mulder, or you can be like, oh, why are they writing Scully like this? They're both totally on their their their, their best game here. Um, I love the opening with her birthday. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a shipper, but if I was to ship, it's that kind of sweet stuff yeah. that I like, as opposed to like anything that's more physical. Like just the yeah. idea that like they're sitting there and he's remembered her birthday for the first time ever. Oh yeah, like, it's sweet. You know, and they definitely, definitely care for each other. Right, and it feels like, yeah, that's um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, that 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 that, that one's really good. And the way the, the episode starts off really vague, where it's like this plane crash and they really have nothing to go on. They're collecting little bits of evidence. The the, the, the watch and stuff and right. even though it moves so well there isn't really an action sequence until the end of that first episode when they're in the um, you know with the plane flying and all of that right. stuff yeah uh, I also like the way that these episodes I think find the platonic ideal for how to split up Scully and Mulder uh, in a mythology episode which is that Mulder is off chasing aliens while, while Scully is dealing with the men in black yeah. So that's perfect. She's dealing with a guy who's shooting somebody in a pub yeah. while Mulder's off, you know, with submerged wreckage and yeah. alien corpses. That's that's ideal to me. It's perfect. And I also think the you hit upon, I think you said Mulder can be annoying, but in this one he isn't. And I think the key is a lot of times Mulder has these sort of highfalutin things about like, have to find out the truth, figure out the conspiracy. Here it's a very specific thing. This guy who he was very fond of is dead. Right. And in a way, he's trying to pay tribute to right. his death. It's like a spectacular end to a very sad life. I mean, that guy, Max Fennig, who plays, his name's Scott Bayless, really, really great. And it's really moving because he dies right in the beginning. Right. And you see these um, VHS tapes of this dead man. And he's just like, there's something so innocent and desperate and really heartbreaking about him. Yeah, Max is a great character. I'm <laughs> glad they brought him back, even if it was to kill him. 
And then you're right. I like, you know, a lot of times in these episodes, Mulder walks around and he's like, has all these big grand things going on. And he sort of does that in the beginning of this episode when he walks into the FAA meeting. And yeah. Like, has anyone considered a UFO? But I like that the show it has everybody go, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Like, I like that. Yeah. You know? And Scully is in this weird position always to like support her buddy, but also like, I know, right? <laughs> did you get a new tattoo? I, I did get a new tattoo. What's yeah. that? The VHS oh, cover of Evil Dead 2. Goodness. Oh my God. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I got it at Beyond Fest. You guys were all getting them. I saw. We, yeah. I wanted to go to Beyond Fest. I, I was out of town. But uh, by the way, quick plug. This is not even a plug. Is it a plug if it's for nothing I'm involved with? No. It's not a plug. It's just a shout out. Ash versus Evil Dead. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't yet. seen it. I think it's so fucking great and so much better than I thought it was going to be it's going to be curious to see how the other directors handle it because Sam Raimi is so good at right. that kind of madcap stuff that's still unsettling so many great gags it's great how's the rest of the cast they're all good um, it's him and then there's the girl who's like sort of uh, the skeptic kind of and then there's like this guy who's like a uh, Hispanic like guy who really looks up to him and him and Ash work really great together yeah. they're really funny together that dynamic of Ash sort of this blustery buffoon and then this kid who's smart but really looks up to him it really is a great comedic pairing and then there's another story going on with this other cop and I'm sure that they're gonna converge at some point yeah. like Lucy Lawless shows up for one second but it sets up a big story, but it's really, really, really funny. Just the cold open, you're like, oh, this has like... Because a lot of times, you know, with this kind of madcap stuff, it, it's from another era. Right. And we're like more cynical now. We're like more savvy. And you watch and you're like, all right, I mean, I, I get what it was funny, <laughs> but that's not today. But it's still really funny. And great mix of physical jokes and also uh, just like good one-liners. Yeah, I got to watch it. I, I may get stars for this if the rest of the episodes turn out to be good. Yeah, let's see. Um, but uh, back to the X-Files. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the other character I really like is the head investigator guy. From the FAA. From the FAA, who in the beginning is like shitty to Mulder. And he says, he has a line where he says, you know, you saying this is sort of... Um, taking away from these real lives that are lost. You're like demeaning the loss of all these yeah, lives. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Like you would get, you get angry at, you know, conspiracy theorists. Well, that's, yeah. right. That's the thing yeah. is that the, the whole, all the 9-11 conspiracy stuff pisses me off. Yeah, of course. People really died and they really yeah. died, you know, because of something that happened and by making it some kind of weird thing that serves your own needs, you're, 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 you're perverting the horrible thing that happened right. to them. And I think it's really cool that it's it's sort of mentioned here. I like that character. I wish this was something they did more often in the show, is that he's a character who has his own arc alongside oh, yeah, totally. Mulder and Scully. And so it's pretty cool to sort of see that happen. Uh, that he has a thing where it just isn't like, they don't just leave town at the end and he's like, thanks for rescuing me from the monster. But he's like, something's actually happened to this guy that has changed him. I think it's really neat. Yeah, it's really great. That guy's a great actor. I've seen him in a ton of stuff, but that thing of starting off as mocking him, skeptic, and then slowly getting to the point where he's like, okay, there's, I don't buy UFOs right. yet, but, but clearly something going on Something here. weird happened. Right. And they do it all like the way, like, you know, how the airplane was pulled out and the, the, the patterns on the, the distress on the door means right. that it was sucked out rather than thrown in like they do a really good job of um giving the skeptics enough evidence to sort of change their mind right. as it goes um 
for, I don't know why, but these are the uh, mythology episodes that I remember the most. These two, because I think they're so specific. A lot of the other ones, there's like, you know, big stuff going on. There's people with uh, switch, switch, switch knives, with switch needles or whatever. And those are great. But this one, it's so emotionally affecting. It's funny because it's the opposite for me. Rewatching these episodes was like a rediscovering them. And going, oh, I, I did love these episodes. The ones that stick out in my mind the most end up being like Mulder in the train car full of, you know, dead well, that's aliens. That's such a great that, image. That, that's the stuff that really ha- sticks with me years and that, years like, later. Red Valley. Uh... Yeah, that's a... But rewatching this, I was like, oh, this stuck with me in a different way where in that I think that there's an emotional core to these two episodes yeah. that mm-hmm. I fold over to the rest of the X-Files where I go, this, this is what X-Files really feels like to me. Uh, and I, yeah, I, mean, I just love revisiting these. Uh, you travel a lot. Yeah. I love the opening of this episode, the first episode of Tempest Fugit because it has my nightmare scenario. Uh, which is the guy sitting next to you on a plane who won't shut the fuck up. Oh, God. I mean, that's scarier than anything else. <laughs> than, that's scarier than poor man's Tom Selleck assembling plastic guns on the plane. <laughs> you gotta shut it down immediately. How do you do it? That's, you gotta have the energy of, okay, this is not your time. This I, is not our time. <laughs> shut it down. I just flew home from Texas. And we were on this plane, and uh, it was it was gearing up to be a really nice flight. And then just before they closed the door, they let this drunk guy get on, and yeah. he sits right behind us. And he's him, uh, and, and it's one of these planes where it's two. It's two I'm starting a good plane story. And two seats. Going, yeah. And the guy behind us starts talking to the lady next to him, and he starts saying, uh, "We're gonna be best friends. I'm very drunk. We're gonna be best friends. It's my birthday, and I missed my flight this morning, and I have to get to Vegas to see Steve Aoki for my birthday." Everybody's waiting for me. Every word makes it worse. <laughs> Even before you get to Aoki. Um, which I'm sure he's a great musician, whatever. I don't know anything about him. He's a DJ. I know, but the kinds of people <laughs> who need to get to Vegas to see him, I don't think he wants to hang out with them either. So he's talking to this lady whose husband is in the Navy, and she's a very conservative-looking lady, and he's very flamboyantly gay. And he keeps being like, I'm not that kind of hoe that's going to sit here and sober. I'm going to drink. Bitches, right? And she's just like, yes, yes. Yeah. And so he's like, we have best friends. And as the plane begins taking off, he starts crying. And he says, I've never flown without my mom before. I'm well, 25 old? years old today. And this is my first flight without my mommy. Will you hold my hand? And so I'm just like, oh How my old God. is this lady? Uh, she seems to be in her late 20s. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> That's not mommy age for him. So there, so he's like, so then the plane starts taking off and he starts going, huh? Is she holding his hand? She's holding his hand. He's like, thank you for holding my hand. Thank you for holding my hand. Uh, my girlfriend and I had an exercise because I was just like, I hate this guy. And she was like, you have to find one thing to love about him. Otherwise, you're going to be consumed with hatred. Yeah. And it's bad for you. So it at the is. end of the flight, I was like, I loved how, how grateful he was because he was so grateful okay. as she held his hand. But as we're taking off, he starts going, ha, ha. Yeah. And then he begins banging his head on the seat in front of him, which is my girlfriend's seat. And then he is just going and he is like, we're in the fucking air. We're in a fucking airplane. I can't believe we're in the fucking air. And he's I don't, yelling this. I don't buy that anybody can be that scared of flying in a plane these days. I, I, I don't think buy it. It's like a thing. He mentioned a whole list of drugs he had done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe then you can be scared. Uh, and, then he, and then as soon as we leveled off, he passed right out. 
Oh, great. It was like, perfect. But that guy was my nightmare guy. Like, if that guy had sat next to me, I might have, you know, like an airplane when they, like, you know, Ted Stryker tells his stories and then they cut back and the lady's hanging or she's lighting yeah. herself on fire. Yeah. That would have been me. I couldn't. Yeah. This poor woman yeah. was just suffering with this guy. That's my nightmare. That is a horrible, horrible. Oh. The only, I'll tell you two things. One, uh, the only good conversation I've had on a plane really was a woman who was Tyler Perry's editor. And oh, she's wow. worked on like 14 of his movies. So it was fascinating talking to her the entire time about... Uh, and she loves these movies. She loves Tyler Perry. Right. I mean, this is her job. And then I looked her up later and she's right. She wasn't making it up. But it was really interesting because they, she told me how they shoot it, how they edit it, how Tyler Perry works, all this stuff. And she's like good friends with them. Fascinating. I fucking loved it. That was great. I was in Atlanta recently flying back. And we were on the runway. We were about to take off. And there were like fourth, four, number four in line. And then they're like, oh, sorry, we have to go back to the gate. Someone in the back is sick. And it was so funny. I had another friend on that was sitting somewhere else. And we were texting with each other. It was so funny. It started off really vague. And then it got more and more specific. Where they were like, "Uh, there's someone not feeling well back there. And then they're like, "Um, uh, people back there, don't worry. We're going to do the cleanup. (laughs) And you're like, what? And they're like, um, don't worry, we're going to get air fresheners back there. We're waiting for him to be like, this guy has diarrhea all over the back part of the plane. So we're all like, what the fuck is going on? And then the plane stops and this, this woman fucking leaves. So I'm like, oh, that was the woman that was sick. No, that was his wife. His wife was like, all right, I'm fucking out of here. Apologized and left. The guy didn't leave for another 40 minutes. The guy who like shat himself or whatever he did. Was he like so drunk? Was that the I story? didn't, I never saw, but they had to like get him out on the back part of the plane. Oh my God. And the, the pilot's so specific. Like, we don't know what he ate. I mean, I would love to know, so I don't eat there. Like, I don't want to know that there's just diarrhea. This is more diarrhea than plane right now. Welcome to Diarrhea Airlines. Oh, God. It was... I was laughing, texting with my friend, laughing so hard. Um, that is horrible. Yeah, so I, I fly a lot, but I've gotten to the point where, you know, these episodes, you obviously see you're, you're on a plane, it's scary, but I don't really get scared anymore because you just sort of have to not think about it. We live our lives not thinking about stuff. There's like a six billion people on this planet... You're not that special, but you don't want to think about it all day. So you work, you know, good at sort of not thinking about certain things. When I'm on a plane, good about not thinking about the fact that we're in a giant bullet hurtling through the air. Well, I'm okay once they close the door. Because I'm like, well, that's it. Nothing I can do now. It'll almost be a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. There are times delete all the porn from my laptop. <laughs> I have the time to do that. There have been times where I have like, because I get really nervous the day before flying, and I'll really just be like, "This is it. I'm gonna die." Like I went when I flew to I flew to Jerusalem this year, and I was like, I was terrified. I was like, "This is you know, this is a long flight. Yeah. I'm, it's gonna go down." And then when I got when I finally got home, I had been like so convinced that it was gonna end, that I was gonna die. When I when I landed back in L.A., I was like. I have no idea what to do with myself anymore. I It's like the day you think, this is my last, and the next day you're like, oh my God, I said fuck off to everybody. <laughs> I don't know what to do. 
There was uh, somebody I was talking to, forget who, who was like, once I book a flight, he was like, I never change it. Because I don't want to change that it to a different flight. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to change in seats. Yeah, and people are like, because uh, he doesn't want to be, oh my God, he switched to that flight. Right, he was going to be fine, yeah. Yeah, once you do it, it's like, all right, I'm fucking locked in and I can't change this part right. of my destiny anymore. It's the opposite Seth MacFarlane. Which is what? Seth MacFarlane overslept on 9-11 and was supposed to be on one of the planes. Oh, and he missed right, it. Right, he right. missed his flight. Really? Yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg, who was in TED, if he had been on it, he, he would have stopped, stopped 9/11. So really, so many TED connections to 9/11. Um, that image where you see all the bodies in the yellow bags of the crash yeah. site—that's a beautiful, really arresting image. It's funny they go out of their way to really say how horrible it is, and they're not going to identify anybody. And yet, every single corpse that we see is perfectly fine. I know there's with one... just a little bit of dirt on their face. Yeah. <laughs> But there's one where they're like partial. I was like, oh my god, it's partial. But it looks like a full person in there. It doesn't seem like a real partial. Um, I got really angry at that um, budget Tom Selleck guy. But then at the end, he has a moment too where he sort of explains his side of things. Right. That was that was neat too. I loved it. I think it's a really good speech because yeah. the way that especially it's like, you know, when you are looking at a plane, this was obviously written by somebody who flies a lot because yeah. when you are looking at a plane at night and you think about each of those lights as a house, yeah. it really blows your mind. You yeah. can see everything and you're like, wow, there's so much going on. Like just, I was you know, flying home this weekend and I, as we're coming in, I can just see the highway and I can see all these cars. And I'm like, yeah. every one of those cars is a person and every person's having their own day. Yeah. And I, it's crazy. I think of it the opposite. Like when I'm on the ground, if I see a plane flying, I'm always like, people are having all kinds of days. <laughs> Maybe someone's shitting on that plane right now. <laughs> um, I like the Tom Selleck guy because he gets shot in the leg and then does not bother changing his pants. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah, he's wearing notice. the same pants. That's how they find him later on. He's wearing the same pants with a bullet hole. Oh, he's on, on the on the. He's got a mission. You know? he's, he's got, got a mission. <laughs> it's cool because even with the conspiracy, it's about this one guy. You know, right. it's all like nothing's really faceless in this episode. And speaking of small people who and, and sort of getting caught in the crossfire, literally, Agent Pendrel. Yeah. This is the end of Agent Pendrel. Takes it. Takes one for the team. That's a kind totally of, by accident. Totally by like accident. A real doofus. He's, he's just a. He's just like watch some beer. <laughs> Again, that's real good casting because it's a character. Even Scully says, I didn't even know his first name. It's great casting because he's a nothing character, right. but he's so hyper likable right. and innocent. Clearly Canadian, a boot. But, um, but so, such like great casting that, I, and I think, you know, it's not an accident because they cast a bunch of people and they're like, oh, that guy was great. Bring him, Bring him back. back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a little bit more to do. Give, yeah. give his character a name. Yeah. yeah, and they really, really do a good job of that. And, and I hate this term, but. There is a part at the bar where she, like, gives him the friend zone pat, you know? And I know friend zone is a problematic term, but she really gives him the pat that's like, listen, we are what we are, and it's not going to be more. I believe in the friend zone. What do you mean? And I believe that you put yourself in the friend zone. I do not believe the... I believe that the friend zone is 100% a thing you do to yourself. I think that guys who get mad at women... For the friend zone or idiots? Yes. That you are behaving in the wrong way, that you are not presenting yourself properly, you're not acting like a mature adult and engaging somebody as an equal that you're interested in. Yeah. That's how you get put in the friend zone. So I believe the friend zone exists, but I don't think you get, you should not get mad at a woman for friend zoning you. No. You friend zone yourself. Because, it, it, just because you like a woman, there's really no almost unheard of like you bet. But not just that, but the guys who get friend zone, they like a woman and then they just kind of hang around and they're sort of like low level nice. And they think that's enough. 
that's how you like actually get involved with somebody. Have you seen but that it's crazy. Amy Schumer sketch, uh, Milady? Have you seen? That? I have seen the Milady. That, that's a I watched that devastated. <laughs> I was devastated watching it, and and I know like I tweeted about it, and so many guys got angry at me because yeah. you see yourself in that. Yeah, everybody's been a Milady. I've been a Milady. Yeah, I've Milady. It's like, well, you know, I mean, too bad about your boyfriend. He sounds like he sucks. But what can I? How can I help you right now? <laughs> Like people who open doors for women. Oh God. Oh. That's the thing is that the friend zone thing is a guy who thinks that. I mean, the, I think the phrase that somebody uses is that you can't put kindness quarters into a woman and expect her to pay out with sex. Right. So that's how you get friend zone. Is that all you do is you be, be, you you behave low level, like selfishly kind. And, selfishly kind. And you yeah. know it's uh, so. Although Pendrel is just a doofus. But he's like a lovable doofus, you know? He's like a nice... There's no, there's no spark. There's no spark between them. No, there is no spark between them. No, but he's a very, like, likable, like, sort of a... <laughs> a doofus. Right. But when he dies, it's affecting, because it's a guy you've seen, like, five or six episodes. No, he's a nice like, guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, he just dies so dumb. He dies so dumb. I really like that. The part of the alien mythology stuff that I really like is the nine minutes missing thing. Do they keep coming back to that? Yeah, yeah. I really love that. Because that's like such a small thing. Everybody watches nine minutes off. That implies such big insanity. Like, I really like... Exiles is really good at that. Where it's like a little thing that right. implies a much bigger universe. Around I am it. curious why the aliens couldn't wait till Max Fennig landed. Um, and just get him while he's like waiting for the flyaway bus. Well, but when you're down there, there's way more people, there's security, <laughs> right? I'm there just trying is. to imagine a scenario where the FAA does not notice that an airplane is on the <laughs> minutes. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's so sad when his like neck starts like doing that. He's got all the boils on it and stuff. Oh God, <laughs> what a sad life. Yeah, it feels like that would be way more complicated. Yeah, to yeah, like yeah. Stop a plane midair, get him out, take the thing, put him back on, send the plane back on its way. I mean, he lives in a trailer park. It's a really ideal place Yeah, but to... I think they think that somebody, as soon as... Because they don't think Max Fennig is going to be holding on to this thing for much longer. I think they're like, he's a doofus, he's going to... Right. The authorities are going to get it, and then it's going to be a whole thing. We're going to have to get it from the authorities, that's way harder... Get him while he's on the plane. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's a, <laughs> they could have waited. Or done it before he gets on, you know? Um, Mulder's also always reminding Scully of her personal experience with this when she doesn't believe. I think that's a little bit of a dick move. That's a little bit <laughs> He's constantly triggering her. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, remember when that happened to you? I mean, that's got to be such a traumatic experience obviously and yeah. he just keeps like bringing it up just to prove his point um they uh I, 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 again you really think that when a plane crashes they put them in the same like seat configuration like 14F 14E 14 whatever like they lay the bodies out in that configuration to like try and I think they, it looks cool I think they may not do that anymore because of computer simulations but oh, in terms sure. of you put the bodies where they sat so that you can see the damage to them yeah. And begin to figure out what happened to What them. happened, yeah. So, all these three people over here, all the right side of their faces are missing. Yeah. So, so why? What something happened? Something happened yeah. on the right side of the plane. Right. Yeah. This guy shat himself. But I don't think that was related. <laughs> I think it seems like the shit was there before the plane went down. <laughs> so many people must shit themselves when it's about to crash. I mean, everybody shits themselves when they die. Well, I think about that a lot, too, is that when, um, if I'm flying and I have to pee, 
Uh, and then like I'm stuck in the middle seat and I don't want to get up and bother somebody yeah. so I just hold it as long as I can then I think what if we had really bad horrible turbulence yeah. like the plane goes down 10,000 feet yeah, and, and then, then you survived. Myself yeah, and survived. Yeah, I would actually be praying for the plane to go down rather than sit the rest of this flight. Oh, I'm so hijacking this flight. <laughs> We're flying into something. Pick a pick a target. I am not sitting here soaked in my own urine. Yeah, I don't care what building. Does anyone have any political statements they want to make is today? There a, is there a radio station you really hate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. KCRW, here we come. <laughs> that's really funny so sad um, yeah the partial thing was cool um, and I also like that they do that thing where they like tell enough of the truth to make it believable right. like they, they do reveal a crazy <coughs> we fucked up we did this crazy thing so it's not like they're saying nothing crazy happened they're like giving them enough to buy that something crazy happened right. that's a good that's a good way of lying very well, close to the truth you know uh, speaking of that, and speaking of uh, these conspiracy theories degrading the memory of people who really died, yeah, this episode is quite clearly based on the crash of TWA 800, uh, a, a, a flight that took off out of New York City and crashed uh, somewhere just northeast of New York in the ocean, and for the longest time, there was tons of people who believed that it was shot down by a missile. Oh, really? That it was an accidental missile sh- shooting from a local airbase. Oh, really? Yeah, and like it was like it was like a whole it was going to, it was going to Paris. So there was like a whole class full of oh, students. that's right. And so I, it's very this episode is very clearly influenced by. Well, that. there's a there's a crash that happened recently where they think that it was a Russian missile or something. That was right? the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They think that there was either a Russian or Ukrainian separatist missile that took. It's unclear if it was on purpose or not. But uh-huh. it does seem like it was hit by something. They think because they said it broke apart in air. It broke apart in air, and then the Russians would not let people near the, uh, not let people near the crash site for a very long Man, time. Russia's back, huh? <laughs> are wow, they, are they? Whatever. Ever? What a comeback! <laughs> Fucking single-handedly. Remember, for a long time, they were well, obviously they were the bad guys, and then they were kind of a joke. Yeah. And if you'd see like a movie where the Russians were the bad guys, you'd be like, "Oh, this really dates it." It's <laughs> back. Now, now they're back, and they're worse than they ever were. Before. <laughs> it's topical they're, again. Yeah, I was listening to um, the Supreme Commander of NATO talking about how Russia was doing airstrikes in Syria, uh-huh. and they said that NATO. Oh, jeez. So that NATO just using Russia's own publicly published information believes that at least 85% of their targets were not ISIS. They're just... They're just hitting whoever they want. They're just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. What's happening? What's going to happen? Well, if I had to guess, they'd probably want to get back into the Middle East and uh, get boots on the ground and control the oil. What's going to happen once all the oil is gone? It's going to be gone at some point. It's not going to be there forever. Yeah. I just read a thing that Saudi Arabia is going to be out of money in five years. I would not want to be there when that happens. What's going to happen? I don't know. Man, we're just... Yeah. It's going to be bad because those are some countries that are fucked up already, but they're rich and fucked up. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, some of those countries and this... I'm from around there, so this is a great... It's, it's, it's like a really <laughs> shitty kid wins the lottery. You're like, why the fuck did that? Because they've... Yeah, you're right. They, like... Uh, so many of those countries have such a problem with, like, Indian and Pakistani immigrants who go there and work as maids or babysitters and stuff. The horrific violence yeah. that's done to them. I've seen some videos of, like, horrible shit. There was a guy who cut... The babysitter wouldn't, like, fuck him, so he cut her arm off in the house. 
Nothing happens to him. Well, you know what's so crazy? So when I'm Ahmed the Clock Kid. Ahmed the Clock Kid. Remember Ahmed I saw the clock someone kid? wearing that as a Halloween outfit and I was like, fuck! <laughs> that would have been a great one. <laughs> well, you see, his family's moved into Qatar. Yeah. Qatar, a nation that uses Indian and Pakistani slave labor. Yeah. Uh, and killed 200,000 people building their World Cup stadium. Yeah, it's truly horrible. And it's like one of those things where like that happened and people on Twitter were like, I guess uh, Ahmed feels like he needs to go to a country where he can really get support. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? It's not like Qatar. Qatar is not a... Like it's, women can only drive in Qatar if they have written permission from their families. Like, it's just like one of those, like, if you think that Qatar is better than America, as fucked up as America Dude, is, I mean, you are out of, con- it's, they have slavery there. They do. And <laughs> America's, like, good relationship with Saudi Arabia is fucking crazy. Saudi Arabia is a terrible country. Those people are, uh, well, not all of them, but those the countries. The people that run it. Those, those countries are in the people bad that, The people shape. that run it. That's why it's terrifying when they're poor now, what happens. When they're rich, they're horrible. Yeah. But once they're poor and desperate, what happens? Well, tune in. <laughs> it's not going to be much longer. Um, I also like the casting of the radar guy that his friend gets killed and then he's alive. He's got like a good cry face all the time. Yeah. And again, it's about him. Like he feels really bad. Well, I think Mulder or Scully has a conversation with him. Like, is it weighing on you? The, the line he did? It, 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 you see his reaction to this too where well I like like that the cover up is like a legitimate cover up it isn't like they're coming in and going you're covering up like they they shot a thing and they didn't know what they were shooting and they shot the plane yeah. Like, I like that. that yeah. It wasn't like they were, you know, testing an alien spaceship no. or whatever. It is just an honest-to-God, whoa, we fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But then we're covering it up. I, right. it's, it's like, yeah. It's really, really, uh, it's a good, like, angle on that conspiracy thing because that's what happens when, that's why conspiracies are hard, right? Because you can't have everybody involved with it because it's, so, you know, these conspiracies are so, like, far-reaching, at some point, there's going to be just a fucking radar guy who's going to well, be involved thing, with Well, that's the thing. Watching it. this episode, that's what I was thinking. As they're, pick, they're, as they're getting Mulder out of the lake where he's been diving down and yeah. they're, they're setting up a, a perimeter to pull the alien ship out. And I'm like, there's a lot of guys here. Oh, yeah. It's like, like nobody going to know Nobody's ever going to say anything. No one's like, going to take one picture and be like, hey, check this out. Right. Yeah, no guy's going to get drunk 10 years from now and be like, you won't believe what I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so many people who do say that, and they're just crazy. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, "I've seen shit." Okay, great. <laughs> good for you. I was just reading. Do you know people of New York? You know that Instagram? Yeah. Uh, my friend has the book of it, and I was just looking through, and it's really interesting. It's a little bit fetishizing these people, but I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it, but there was a really great one where it's a guy just looking and he's talking about, he looks like, he just looks like a normal hipster, but he's talking about um, how, you know, the government's been after him because he's onto it and they sent 200 people after me and how lonely he feels that nobody can like protect him and stuff. And you see this guy and he looks like a normal, just a guy with like a beard and he just, it just, it's like, oh my God, that guy is so mentally ill. It's so sad. His life is pretty hard. Right. To him, this is real. Right. This is very difficult. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference if they're really after him. He spends all day convinced they aren't. Ruins his whole fucking day. Yeah, this guy was probably like 26 or 27 or something. But maybe he was telling the truth. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe he was... Maybe there are 200 people. Do you follow 
Snowden on Twitter? I, you know, I do. I'm thinking about no longer doing it. It's very scary. Uh, it do you just, not like him? I, you know, I didn't like him, and then I saw the documentary about him, and then I liked him, and then now on Twitter I don't like him again. It's also the thing of like he tweet, he retweets people saying nice stuff about him. That's what's hard is <laughs> when you have a person like he's he what he did. I think obviously you know he exposed some stuff that we should have known. It's so easy to discredit the whole thing when there's like one guy that's the face of it. Right. There are idiots who are like, oh, he's a fucking asshole. So, yeah, but what he did, what he said was all true. Even if you don't like him personally, what he said, I mean, he's a guy who's like, who's like that guy. And he's he's right. There are probably 200 people that have been sent to try and kill him. You know I mean? That's got to fuck with your head. He's what, 28 or something? I bet actually at this point, they're probably sending guys to save his life. Why? The worst thing that could happen is that Edward Snowden dies. Oh, he becomes a martyr. And, becomes, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're killing people? That's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. You want, like, he's too famous to... He's already, it's the Mulder thing. Yeah, he's already done... It is the Mulder thing. <laughs> Way to bring it back. Total pro. Uh, but no, he, he retweets people saying nice things about him. And I, I don't like when people do that a lot. No, and, it's uh, not good. And it's there's a hundred people... Well, there's a lot of people who do that that I cannot name. But we'll talk about it once this... I just think in general, if you're listening to this, like, this bad etiquette, you can retweet a nice compliment every now and again. And if it's, like, something crazy. I retweeted Patrick Stewart once. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, that's... I gotta do that, right? And that's in the spirit of, like, hey, my friends, let me tell you this amazing thing that just happened to me. Yes. But every single... There are some people I follow who every time someone at replies them, they retweet it. And it's just like, I'm not... No. I don't... Yeah. I don't need to... No. No. I don't need this... Unless it's, you know... Patrick Stewart, or it's interesting, or it's funny. I tend to only retweet people who are being mean to me. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, just think of one good thing about them, Devin. <laughs> At least they have opinions. Um, Pendrel, there's a moment where Pendrel looks at her with that guy, and he thinks she's on a date or something, like he's a little jealous or something. Poor guy. He dies, although looking at Scully, which is what he loves. And the cutting back and forth between, like you said, Mulder's underwater, UFOs, aliens. He sees a fucking alien and then Pendrel in a tiny bar getting right. shot. Scully's there. That You're exactly right. That's a great, like, that's the platonic ideal of them. Because we've done episodes where Scully is doing literally nothing. Yes. She's just sitting around. No, she's doing something super important in this one. She's doing something important. But also the thing I like in this episode, too, is that even though, as usual, Mulder's journey is set off by somebody coming and dropping a lot of information in his lap, yeah. he still takes a lot of, uh, of, of initiative, uh, initiative yeah. in this episode. Too many episodes, there are, you know, Mulder gets tipped off by Deep Throat and then just stumbles through the whole thing. Yeah. But this one, he's finding stuff out. Yeah. And I like that, too, a lot. Yeah. He's really solving things. Yeah, he really is. And, you know, it's it's that, that thing of, like, something vague, something vague happened, and you slowly, like, get the pieces together, figure out what happened, and then there's that great... The moment at the end, Mulder looks so defeated when, he, when the plane lands and he knows that that happened, and it's just a really, like, sort of devastating moment, and the it, it mirrors... Because, you know, Max Fennec was always, like, an extreme mirror image right. of Mulder. In the beginning, Mulder doesn't like him because he's like, oh, do people see me like this? I'm not right. a kook. I don't live in a trailer, trailer park. I have nice suits and a great haircut. And I mean, look at my jawline. A huge collection of pornography. And a huge bed. collection of co- pornography. I'm fine. <laughs> Things are going great. But there is, in this one, he sort of goes through what Max Fennec goes through right. again to a much smaller degree. And uh, it's just a really sad moment at the end. 
What do you think of that thing at the end where, because he'd given her that pin and she sort of goes off on this long thing about what it means and he, he just like punctures it. What did you think of that moment? I love it. I love it's that great, moment. It's great, right? Because she's right. Yeah. But he just, he's just being molded. He's being a bit of a dick. Right. Yeah. And I, so I she's love right. It. So yeah. she's right. So huh, that's exactly what it meant. I love that in this episode that's actually very dark. I mean, it's not, it's not sweepingly dark in some of the ways some of the other mythology episodes are where it's like, Revealed that the cigarette smoking man is like in charge of the whole world and fucking everything up. Yeah, it's dark in a real small way where yeah. it's like you know Max Fennig is dead. Uh, you know where uh, a plane went down. Nobody's ever gonna know the truth. Yeah, where the guys that did it was an accident. It was a stupid mistake, and they're all covering it up. People are dying because of this. Yeah, but at the end, she has that bit about hope. And about yeah. dreams, and it's really uplifting, and it's yeah. a harder that could have been really downbeat. Yeah, and I love it. But then his puncturing of it is so perfect; he's so in character. It's perfect. I absolutely adored it. And and then the camera goes up to the sky, and you're like, all the mysteries out there. <laughs> it's really, it really is a great, great mythology two parter because some of them end up treading water a little bit. Right. This one, you don't really find out anything that you know. It doesn't move the story along, right. but it's a, it's. Yeah, it's just such a... It's not a season opener, but it felt like it could have been a great season opener. Yeah. Where it's like, this is us, this is an old thing we're reinvestigating, yeah. we're reestablishing relationships, and then we're moving forward with a, in a hopeful way. Yeah. It feels like a new mission statement. Um, the new episode, season, the new episode of The X-Files yes. that I have seen a couple times, uh, I think also does a really good job of that. It, it, it feels like a season opener in that it's like... It starts off in a place, there's investigation, tables being reset, blah, blah, blah. And then where it ends, ends at a beginning rather than an ending. Where It, it ends in such a good place that I'm kind of like, I don't know how they can... Because there's only one other mythology episode. Out of the six, the four middle ones are one-offs. Right. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to get this to a satisfying place. Because it really sets up really, really big stuff. I think the key, hopefully, is they realize that they shouldn't get to a satisfying place. They can't. I think if they embrace that, I think if they, but if they embrace it the right way, I think one of the problems with the show as it went on yeah. was that it built to the movie and then kept going. just kept going. Yeah. And so it kept re retreading the ground of the, of the conspiracy. What was so great is like it builds up in the movie and they obviously have the weight of the mythology on them. And then once freed of that a little bit, season six is like a sigh of relief. Right. Like season six is great one-offs. Like a lot of really, really funny episodes, one-offs that are really good, like the postmodern Prometheus. Right. I believe it's season six, uh, but Arcadia is season six where Mulder and Scully have to pretend to be husband and wife in this gated community and there's like a monster there. Uh, that one's really good. There's one called The Rain King where they go to a tiny town and it's really kind of a rom-com episode. Right. There's just a lot of like, they're like having fun again. Because some of these <clears throat> mythology episodes can be so grave and... And intense and dark. It's, X Files is also really good when it's light and and fun. And there's an episode two later called Small Potatoes, where Darren Morgan, the amazing right. writer, plays uh, the 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 monster of the week. It's a really, really, really great episode, light and fun, except for the fact that he's a rapist, <laughs> <laughs> and he does go to jail for it. And it, he does pay for it, but he is also presented a little bit as a lovable buffoon. <laughs> and he does go to jail, and he should go to jail, but the tone of it, something's weird, but when you watch it, 
it's such a fun, well-written <laughs> episode in the Mulder and Scully stuff, and it's great. Like, I want to do that with Emily to be like, hey, so how do I feel? How should I feel about this? This is weird, right? <laughs> it's just, it's tough. But 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 uh, Vince Gilligan wrote it, and it's just a well-written, funny, kind of profound episode. Except for this one little weird thing. Also, the paramedics are coming to save Pendril have no sense of urgency. They're walking really slowly. And there's also the Scully nose. They're like, he's got a gun. They're like, huh? Yes. Like, okay. <laughs> Last call? Okay, can we do one drink and then go? Uh, Scully's nosebleed. Like, they do a pretty good job because you can't always just be talking about her cancer the whole time because that's really heavy. They do a good job of putting out, like... Right. Little callbacks, yeah. Little callbacks here and there. Because she doesn't want to think about it. You don't want to think about it. But when she's stressed out, that happens. And you're like, oh, shit, right. She has cancer also on top of everything. I'm interested in the scene where the uh, FAA guy sees the UFO. (laughs) uh, What the the scale of it is. I could not quite figure out. Oh, yeah, that's a great scene. It's a great scene. Uh, It's a a special effects thing where I'm like, is this a tiny little one-seater? Or or is perspective really weird here right now? I couldn't figure it out. It's a cool fucking scene, though. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And it's great that he gets... Like you said, his journey is perfect. Um, uh, The other thing moment that I really liked was... And again, it's how great a character Max is and how great an actor he is. Like, when he's doing the recording... He, like, waits, like, is it recording? Like, that moment was so great. Like, it could easily started with him already ranting right. and raving. But there's a moment where he's waiting, like, okay, are we ready? Okay, no. I thought that was really, really good. I thought the relationship with that girl was really interesting because she's not in it a ton. The sister? The sister, the fake sister. The fake sister. But it's sweet. And in the it's end, really sweet. there's the bit where Mulder sees her reflection in the tape, which is, like, a little ham-handed. And he also you also see his own reflection when he's watching Max Fennig. Again, little ham but it works but it works and, yeah. it, and, and, and I like that way that it fills in Max's life and it makes Max who's a sad guy feel a little bit less sad because here's this other crazy person that he's yeah, made a connection like, to they have like some sort of sibling relationship yeah. obviously and also Mulder sees how much he meant to Max because he talks about in the video how like nobody believes him but almost no one and Mulder knows he's talking right. about him right. and he sees like it's not just about the truth and uncovering this thing it's also about these little people that are caught in the middle and how much Mulder means to them. And I think that's when Mulder's at his best. That's the interesting thing about the Mulder story is that, yeah, he often loses sight of the people that are involved yeah. in the stories and it becomes about this larger sort of ideological mission of truth. Yeah. But then the question is, what does that truth mean? And what does it mean to people? Yeah. And this is a nice episode that sort of... Does yeah. that, because I think Scully's... Generally, Scully is the one that's about the people. Let's right. solve this. Let's figure this Which out. She's a doctor, yeah. Yeah, Mulder's like the big thing. And here they're sort of are, you know, they sort of want, both want the same thing. Uh, the, the scene of Max convulsing is really heartbreaking. It's really sad and we've seen him. That happen. It, it felt like a tribute to him this whole episode, even though he's not a real person. <laughs> but it just... It just it just was a really, really sad episode. And the guy says, well, where I come from, that's what we call a whopper. That was a great... That's a tough line, but that guy was a great actor. Have you seen him and stuff? The, the no, FAA guy? I don't guy? remember him. I feel like I've seen him and stuff. He's, I'm assuming a million Vancouver shot productions. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You, you have your note here. Uh, I hate... Uh, he hates the Euphrase UFO tractor. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Which I, which I, I get. <laughs> 
I get that. If I was into it, I would be like, oh, Mulder gets so excited when he says, oh, he has mail? I thought that was a little like, oh my god. Um, radiation burns are super... Oh, the Mulder's so charming in that way. He's like, short bag, tall bag. I don't know. Yeah. That was like a really, like, Mulder gets to be charming. Um, I like when he's like that. It's nice. And especially in mythology episodes, you can get so driven and charmless. Yes. Uh, that when he is able to be charming and funny, it is really, really Because nice. he is really good at doing these one-liners that right. would seem hokey, but he does them with, like, so little, like, English on him that it really, right. really works. He can pull off lines that very few people can pull off. But in these episodes, he doesn't really get to have those. Right. Like, these mythology episodes, it's almost like... All right, this is going to be like dark and serious, but I like when there's little moments like that. Um, it's really, uh, uh, really cool. Something started Steve Gutenberg. You can make a, you can make phone calls from the plane back then. Yeah, I you still can. Uh, oh, there's a there's a phone on there. You there used this? to be on a lot of cross country flights. There's a phone in the back of the seat ahead of you, in like in older planes. Really? Yeah, it's I've like never... it's like literally twenty bucks a minute. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, if you really need to make that You really call. need to make a phone call or you're super rich. Speaking of this, super rich. I was on the west side recently for something and I had like a half hour in between things. And I sort of become a bit of a coffee snob. I'll, I'll say it. So I looked up this fancy coffee shop there. So I went and I got a $5 cup of coffee, which is for just coffee. That's pretty nuts, yeah. Pretty nuts. They had a cup of coffee there. Guess how much it was. So, I saw your Twitter. I know how much it cost. $90! There was one cup of coffee. There's nothing else in it. It's just yeah. What is it that makes a ninety dollar coffee? I'll tell you. It's it's not it's not like a frappuccino or anything. In fact, if you get this cup of coffee, you are not allowed to leave the premises with it. You are not allowed to put milk or sugar or anything else in it. You are not allowed to do it. There's strict rules. There's a whole page description of it. This coffee is called Kopi Luwak. It's Indonesian. It's a very specific coffee. There's these animals called civets that are like... Oh, it's the monkey shit coffee. Well, they're cat type. They're feline Yeah, yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's their shit coffee. Oh, I've read about coffee the shit Luwak, coffee. And yeah. it's like $1,000 a bag or $10,000 a bag. Oh, I know only... that it's a place you can get up by the cup here. Yeah, that's what this is. It's a cup. It's a cup for $90. Where is this place? It's on the west side. It's called Funnel Mill. It's a great coffee shop. Surprisingly not that pretentious, like pretty like just right. a normal coffee shop. But they had five dollar cups of coffee, then they had ten dollar cups of coffee, then they had thirty-five dollar cups of coffee, and they had one ninety dollar cup of coffee. Yeah, my boss is in town this week and he's uh, interested in the cat shit coffee, so I let him know. Uh funnel mill. Funnel mill. Um they were very nice and I'm kinda like I kinda wanna try it, but I looked it up and they were like a lot of times the animals are not kept in good conditions. <laughs> I don't want to Yeah, but it already that. happened, so you're not really supporting it. It already happened. Yeah, but if I didn't get it, someone else... It, somewhere, that, that one cup's worth is... That is, not going, that is not going to waste. I mean, like, it's going to be... Somebody's going to take it. That money, your 90 bucks is going to go into those pockets somehow. I, it exists. I would... To me, it's like buying a, a, a fur coat used. I'm not into fur. Okay. And I'm against buying new fur. But <laughs> if it's used, somebody already bought it. It's already now, there. It's already there. But my cup is now that... 30 beans are now gone and those 30 beans have to be replenished from these civets that are in bed. But they're just going to throw the beans away then. They claim that... So they, 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 those civets had bad experiences and you didn't even get a cup of coffee out of it. <laughs> the least I could do. <laughs> the least I could do is spend $90 on a fucking cup of coffee. See, I would do, that's the kind of thing I would do. I would, I would spend You know what that. it is? I looked it up because they eat coffee and they eat cherries. And those flavors, the cherry and the coffee gets like... 
intermingled. So when it come, comes through, it's got like a cherryish yeah, flavor yeah, yeah. to it. I mean, it seems fucking fascinating. So, so there's like, you know, a bunch of coffees at $5, bunch of coffees at 10 like four different coffees at $35, and then at $90. $35 coffee? That alone is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. $35 they, coffee. They have like four or five different kinds. And um, I was like, holy shit. I, I will tell you, I haven't stopped thinking about it. This was two days ago. I was on the West Side. Um, it's in Santa Monica okay. is where it is. I was actually doing stuff... Uh, I was doing special features for the X-Files Blu-ray of the oh, new really? season. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're doing a you ton of special features. Did you do a commentary? I didn't do a commentary. They asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said yes, and I never heard back. So I don't want to be like, hey, guys, what about the commentary? <laughs> what about the commentary? Hey, guys, in case you're listening, yeah. what about the commentary? But I'm doing, like, making of behind-the-scenes interviews and stuff like that, and they're doing a ton of stuff, and the, the lady that's, like, doing who's responsible for the special features is like a huge fan who's doing a lot of stuff for it. It's going to be great. That's great because the previous sets don't have a ton of stuff. That's what she said. And she said that the Blu-ray of the the nine seasons is coming out like December January. or something. December, January. Yeah, it, yeah. it comes out soon. And she said that as best she knows, there aren't, there isn't new stuff on those, but right. for the new season. So what she's doing is for the new season, she's also doing a bunch of special features for... The history of the show. For the history of the show. So she, you know, we she interviewed me about the history of the show and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. It's really, really, really fucking great. This, that's, you know, on my podcast, we mentioned, uh, we had an argument about M&M's. Uh, because I was eating M&M's and Amy wanted some and I didn't want to give her any. And then, so M&M's heard and they sent us a whole bunch of bags of M&M's in the mail. Why didn't you want to give her any M&M's? My M&M's, man. Because you want to antagonize her. My M&M's, man. You okay. love fucking M&M's, right? So, but M&M's sent us a whole bunch of bags of M&M's, which is cool, but your podcast has gotten you on the X-Files, which is like magnitudes cooler than bags <laughs> of M&M's. And I was so excited to get these bags of M&M's I in mean, the mail. I mean, this is truly the single best case scenario. When, I, when we did the first episode last year, when was it, June 2014 yeah, yeah. or something? The... I mean, there's no way. There wasn't even a new show. There wasn't a new show that a year later. Yeah. We've been like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not. It's not a big part. I don't want to overstate it. <laughs> it's a fun part. It's a cool part. But you're in it. You're part of it. I'm part of the X Files verse now. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And I'm in the special features and whatever else happens, you can always make a living at conventions signing pictures of your character from the X Files. I don't think it's a big enough. I don't. Have you I, been to conventions? I mean, I have. It <laughs> does not make a difference yeah. how big it is or isn't. There are some people making a living at conventions who are in one episode of the original Star Trek. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a sad. It's, it's a, oh, Mulder says, I think he got the connecting flight. I, I know. <laughs> Come on, dude. This is very sad. Um, anything else you want to say about these episodes? Just I loved them. I loved yeah, them. I loved them. I loved fantastic. them. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in. I had to watch these when I was in Telluride. It's like a beautiful place to be. I had to go. I had to go sit. In I'm my, sorry, no, we had no. to push this a couple weeks. I'm. I but I had to go sit in my hotel room and like not be in this beautiful environment to watch X Files, and I was like a little grumpy about it. But then I watched them. I was like, oh, these are great. This is yeah. better than whatever it was I was going to do. Whatever like, you were going to see at Telluride, uh, this is better. This is better. It was so. It was so good. It was so. This is great to revisit, and it really reminds you. When this show is at its best, it is really going. <laughs> yeah, and and we're in a really really great period because the next episode is Synchrony, which is a time travel episode. It's pretty good, uh, but then the one after that is Small Potatoes, which you know it's got some some Rape. of the moral problems we have, but but it is undeniably 
a really great episode of this. Yeah, show. I think four and five they really they really hit their stride. They yeah. really did. They figured the it out. This is great. This is the thick of it. Uh, plug your stuff. You can find me on a Wolf Pop. I have a podcast there called The Canon. And if you live in LA on December fifteenth, we're doing a live show. At, uh, as a fundraiser for the Vidiots Video Store. Oh, that place is great. Yeah, well, we're doing a live show with Elijah Wood, and we're going to be arguing about Goonies. So go to the Vidiots website, and you can buy tickets for the live show there. I assume you're against Goonies. I hate Goonies. Goonies is one of those movies, and I hear this about Labyrinth, too, where they're like, if you didn't see it when you were a kid, you're not going to. You're not gonna like it. I saw Goonies when it came out when I was 12 years old. I didn't like it then. Did not like it then. Wow. Did not like it then. So Amy is pro Goonies? No, she's anti Goonies. Elijah is pro Goonies. Yeah, okay, that's. So okay. I'm ending my relationship with Elijah Wood on this episode. Don't uh, give him any M&M's. <laughs> no M&M's. No M&M's yeah. for Elijah. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a live show at Vidiots. Uh, so come see us. Go to the Vidiots homepage and you can buy tickets there. And it's a fundraiser for a very cool uh, video store, cinema meeting place. Uh, and there dying so support Megan Ellison came in with her own money she's super rich great help keep them alive for a little while but now it's up to the rest of us Annapurna she runs Annapurna yeah yeah daughter, daughter of Larry Ellison they're a great company they yeah. do a lot of great they're incredible people. yeah she's um, amazing yeah she does great stuff um, and Birth Movies Death Birth Movies Death dot com is my website you can find me there every single day and you can find me on Twitter at Devin CF uh, alright guys thanks for listening Hey everybody! Do you like getting stoned and watching a movie? Or just watching a movie? Well then check out our podcast, I Am Weed, where we, and a guest, go to the movies and discuss it after. A movie review podcast with a little token twist, get it? Oh boy, but hey, you don't have to smoke weed to enjoy this podcast. Uh, you should enjoy watching movies though. Subscribe to I Am Weed on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.